episode five. Here we are. The Cowboys are now in week three, and things are, are moving along. It's crazy. The Cowboys are 2-0 and to start the year, and Ben, next opponent on the schedule Saturday is South Alabama. This was a really trendy upset pick in the preseason for the Cowboys to lose to the Jaguars. I'm not so sure it's like that now, Ben. Let's just let's hop right into it. Can I get your opening thoughts on what the Cowboys need to do Saturday to fend off the Jaguars and how much of a of an upset risk you think OSU's at? Yeah, the Jaguars are good, Sam. They're they're in the Sun Belt uh, for for people who don't know that, and they're picked second in their division in the Sun Belt. In their first game, they played Tulane, which, as we know now, Tulane's a good team. Um, it was respectable, thirty-seven to seventeen loss at Tulane. Uh, South Alabama did return home and win their home opener, thirty-five to seventeen against Southeastern Louisiana. Now you're right. Everyone in, in the lead-up to this season had this game circled as a potential upset. Um, and, and there's decent reason why. I mean, South Alabama, they're, they're good. Mike Gundy called them the best team OSU is going to face all season. So I think it's fair to say Oklahoma State is on upset alert. But I don't necessarily think anybody in Stillwater is taking South Alabama lightly. Yeah. And do you think Mike Gundy was, was telling the truth uh, up there? Or is, is that more you know, a speech to, to get your team motivated to play the Jaguars. Do you think South Alabama's the, the best team OSU's played? The, the bar's not super high, you know what I'm saying? ASU, starting a freshman quarterback, and then uh, opening up against Central Arkansas. Well, I, I, do, I do think he was telling the truth, Sam, because he said at the very beginning, it's going to get progressively harder. Yeah. Central Arkansas, South Alabama, uh, or Central Arkansas, ASU, South ASU. Alabama. So, you know... Maybe it's not coach speak to say, hey, the next game is the hardest game um, because that's what that's what Mike's been telling us. And and I I'll, I'll buy him on it. South Alabama, I, I think that's that's probably so. I'll tell you, here's and, and I was I approached this game still in the mindset of, man, this is the, the trendy upset pick. South Alabama was a vote getter in the preseason. They had one vote. So take that for, you know, what it's worth. But um they had they had respect coming into the year, and it's now South Alabama, it, OSU's in a little bit of that position. Now the Cowboys have a vote in the AP poll. So, but but here's the thing I think will be the difference, Ben. Pro Football Focus, and you can you can look it up. South Alabama grades out as the second worst coverage team in the FBS. I think there's 133 teams in, in the FBS, and right now, uh, Pro Football Focus has them as 132. Behind Tulsa, ironically enough, which is interesting. But t- to me, this looks like the game that that could be the quarterback game for OSU. And we haven't really seen a, a quarterback ball out or, or put up huge numbers or anything. But to me, this game could be the game that maybe OSU can put up 30, 35 points and 40 points. And, you know, maybe Stribling really gets going or Presley really gets going. Maybe Jaden Bray catches two touchdowns in 150 yards. So this to me feels like if the Cowboys can take advantage of that, then this could be a great tune-up game where you're playing a big physical team, but but play well and get good contributions from position groups like quarterbacks or um, you know wide receivers that, that haven't been going crazy. That's, that's interesting to bring up, Sam, because I think the theme with all three quarterbacks OSU's played is everyone's been kind of holding serve. There's been no blow-up performance. Whoa, that's the guy. Everybody's kind of had good moments. Nobody's really 
tanked or bombed to say nobody's really thrown themselves out of the race. So maybe this is a moment where, where one of those guys really steps up and, and, and takes kind of this, this mantle, which would potentially be good before the conference play gets underway next week. But maybe, maybe I'm starting to think, okay, like, if it is working, OSU might just end up going three quarterbacks, and they might be fine doing that and rely on the defense to win games like they have been the last couple of days. So so we'll see, Sam. I, I do think it is a chance for for somebody to take control, especially with you talking about the weak secondary. To me, Ben, it always felt like conference play was maybe your built-in deadline to decide a quarterback by. You know, it, everyone kind of had that, that circle in the calendar of, okay, you know, you do your thing, mess around against the, the three non-conference schools, and as long as you get to 3-0, and just have a guy decided by the time you play Ames, play Ames. Now, I'm not so sure that that's the case. And it's just because Mike Gundy, you know, he turned the question on us, all the, all the media members of the last press conference, you decide. Who are you going to tell, um, you know, a player and their parents, hey, that person you didn't play well enough and that person over there took your job. And right now it's hard it's hard it'd be hard to do that. Granted, the common rebuttal as well, Mike Gundy's paid an immense amount of money to to have those hard conversations. So, you know, ultimately it does come down to him and you can't hide behind that forever if if you do think that that there is a guy that emerges, but as as the the quarterback battles progressed and played out in front of our own eyes, it has just been so even, right? Now Mike Gundy can point to everyone and say, hey, everyone, all the millions of people who's watched this game, so y'all decide. And it's not like a, a true a, a true winner has emerged from all this. So now I could see this stretching one, two, three games into conference play. And maybe as long as the maybe as long as the Cowboys keep winning, you do that. Cause I don't think Mike Gundy's gonna make a decision just to make a decision. He's gonna have to have a reason. Somebody's yeah. going to have to separate in practice. Sam, one thing I asked Clint Shelf, I talked with him last week about a three-man quarterback battle and what that looks like. I asked Clint, Good story on that, by the way. Well, thank you. You wrote thank a good you. story on that. Thank you. I asked, Clint, I asked Clint, how long does it take for one guy to take control of an even race? And, and he said, it's, it takes a little bit. It takes a while. Coaches are looking for consecutive days, stringing days together, stringing performances and practice together. So I don't think it's going to be a case where one guy balls out on a game day and, and suddenly takes control of a dead even race. If it is if it is as even as we all think it is, then it's going to take at least some, some time for one quarterback to fully grasp control. So I think probably we're going to see multiple, maybe even three guys in conference play. That's just my that's just my thoughts. I mean, if it is it is if it is as even as as we all think it is. I almost wonder if this thing gets settled when the Cowboys lose. Because as long as you keep winning, no one can truly complain or point to, "Hey, you made a decision that cost the team." So I almost wonder if this decision gets made if the Cowboys have to lose a game for for this decision to be made. Um but yeah, it's Everyone kind of thought, well, once we can see all three quarterbacks, someone will emerge. It'll be pretty obvious. But maybe Oklahoma State just brought in three guys who are pretty even. So, I'm to be honest, I'm kind of sick of talking about it, Ben. It's like, I don't even know if it matters. Bowman, Rangel, Gundy, Cowboys have been about the same with all, with all three of those guys. So, 
I don't know how much it even matters in the end. Well, then let's talk some defense because that's another aspect going to be important against South Alabama. OSU's defense, they missed tackles again last Saturday in in Arizona. Oh, let's see if I can find it, Sam. Um, yeah, I think, they showed yeah, it. I think it was even more. It, it was even more than against yeah. than against UCA. Yeah. And to me, it didn't feel like that was the eye test, but yeah. Off the top of my head, it was 22 missed tackles. I I think it was out in Arizona. And heck, I don't know how many of those came on that one drive early in the game where Arizona State went right down the field. And and I thought, well, here here they go again. So tackling is going to have to improve. Oklahoma State has not looked consistent in that area, I would say is the word there. Because they've, they've cleaned it up late in the games, but it takes them a while to really clean that problem up. And OSU's tackling in practice again. They're going thud mode. They they're really trying to clean this up with with some some contact in practice. Yeah, and from what I gathered, just talking to defensive players, thud mode isn't you wrap these up and take them to the ground and you know put grabbing knees in play or, or anything like that 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 could lead to, to long term injury. But thud mode is hey, you thud into guys, you make sounds, you wrap up, pad on pads. So. I guess that's a lot easier in terms of simulating tackles in games is presumably if you can thud into a guy, then in a game, if you can have a good thud, you can wrap him up and take him to the ground. So, yeah, I I imagine tackling will get better as the season goes along just because the more thud practices you get, then then the, the, the easier it becomes down the road. But, yeah, so maybe we're seeing the worst Oklahoma State tackling of the year, and then it'll get better. But hey, for as bad as they tackled, they pitched a second half shutout. And my story from the press box was about OSU's defense. So I've been I've been impressed with uh, with, with how they've done for the poor tackling that that they've had to work with. I mean that that thing last week was a result of fourth down. OSU was so good defensively on fourth down against Arizona State, and that's a hallmark of 2021 with with that nasty yeah. defense going to the Fiesta Bowl. So that's going to be important, especially as more teams are going for fourth down. Now now more than ever, it feels like with Dave Aranda, you know, at Baylor, he'll go for it anyway. Oh, yeah. So, so that's going to be something important. Sam, one other thing I was wondering about this week, running backs, the situation right now, it's it's been a fairly even split. Even All three guys have, have been fairly productive. Many people want Ollie Gordon to be carrying a bulk of these carries. Whenever he touches the ball, seemingly great things happen. How do you think running backs is going to shake out this week and in the future? Well, here's something interesting. I'm a fan of pro football focus for these type of things. And pro football focus grades out Ollie Gordon as the best player on OSU's offense. So for people in the Ollie camp, woohoo, that's awesome. But here's the thing. Pro Football Focus, the second player they agreed out on the OSU offense is Jaden Nixon. And then the third was Elijah Collins. So I had a little story on that about, according to Pro Football Focus, the analytics, they rate OSU's running backs as its top three players on offense. So maybe that part of that is some of the analytics, it slants toward running backs, so it's easier to accumulate, um, you know, high a high grade just with, with the position that OSU's running backs are being put in. But to me it seems like the running back unit is kind of a strength of the Cowboys. And just because you have a very good player like Ollie Gordon, who, to my eye test, he's the best running back. I, I, I believe that's the case. But there's no use in grinding him into the ground against UCA and Arizona State. 
especially when you have guys like Jaden Nixon and Elijah Collins. And the, the biggest thing about the running back battle, everyone wants Ollie Gordon on the field, and he's the best pure runner, in my opinion. But Collins and Nixon, they have different strengths. Jaden Nixon's a great pass catcher coming out of the backfield, a great third down guy. And Elijah Collins, he's the best pass blocker according to Pro Football Focus. So he does that better than the other two guys, where if you're you know, running some sort of deep play action or uh, deep pass, maybe you want Collins in the game just, just to help block. So those three guys do three different things well, and that's what you want from a three-headed monster, is three guys who do different things well. So I think OSU's running backs are being utilized well. Um, you know, Maybe Ollie Gordon could get a few more carries here and there, but maybe how it's played out currently will help the Cowboys when they go to Orlando in November or, you know, play uh, play Bedlam late in the year. So play BYU the last game of the year. So if you can have Ollie Gordon looking and feeling fresh against BYU in the last game of the year, you've accomplished what you need to do in the early part of the season. I think that's exactly right, Sam. OSU's running back situation right now with three capable plus running backs is best case scenario. Because I hate yeah. to keep, keep harkening back to, to 2021, but that year, remember, Jalen Warren kind of took it over, and Jalen Warren emerged as the guy. He was getting the touches and was fantastic. But I think he got worn down. He ended up missing the Big 12 championship game. Yeah. And remember, everyone wondered, Des Jackson rounding that corner at the end, diving for the pylon. What if, what yeah. if, what if? That would have been Jalen Warren. What if Warren's and, in? Yeah. Exactly. And, and, and he was just hurt. He, he was just banged up. That's what happens with – this college football slate that all these guys go through. So I think yeah. having three guys is best case scenario. Keeping these guys fresh is going to be so important, so huge. I think it's going to be really important. Yeah. I guarantee if you asked Jaden Nixon, Ollie Gordon, and Elijah Collins to look hard enough, they could probably find something that feels bad enough about their body right now in week two to land them on the injury report. So, you know, just because it doesn't come up in a press conference or they're playing out there doesn't mean they are hurting. And however, that's, you know, as much the case in week two, look back in week 10 and, and it'll be even worse. So yeah, I think that OSU is having a, a future. Uh, they're, they're focusing on the future with, with this running back usage right now. And I think it'll pay dividends. Like we said about the quarterbacks, as long as you're winning at the end of the day, then the more players you can rotate in, the better, I guess. All right, Sam. So we'll close with this. Oklahoma state is from what I'm seeing a seven point favorite on Saturday against South Alabama. Do they cover? Yeah, I, I, I like Oklahoma State to cover here. I'll just run through a little bit. Um, South Alabama has Braylon McReynolds injured, and he broke his collarbone against Tulane. So he was their five foot eight sophomore running back who, he, he was a beast. He racked up receiving, rushing, and return yards. So South Alabama actually has been bitten a bit by the injury bug. And they're a good team, but I just, I don't think that they're good enough to, to come into Boone Pickens and win. Um, I, I still probably like South Alabama to, to make a bowl game eventually or, or, or end up playing well. But yeah, as, as far as the, the super trendy upset pick in August that, that you could look at and say, wow, the, the Jaguars might be a better team on paper than OSU. I, I don't think that's manifested two weeks in. So I, I like the Cowboys to cover a little bit. And I like... If if I had a sneaky prediction for the game, I like the I like the Cowboys to to have one or two quarterbacks who we really look back on as wow they played well they balled out and yeah I'll, for for a, a prediction that I could get some odds on for for a tough prediction I'll say 
Oklahoma State has a receiver go for 150 yards or more. That, that'll be my long shot prediction. Maybe it's Bray. Maybe it's dribbling. Maybe Presley gets, you know, 10 catches for 150 yards. But I, I like, uh, I, I'm predicting an Oklahoma State receiver to ball out against a secondary that has issues. I'll also take the Cowboys to win and cover. OSU's just been so good in these non-conference games. They keep finding ways to win. And that goes back yeah. to 2016. Oh, that's the last time Oklahoma State's lost one of these early season non-conference games. So I'm not going to pick against them now. I think the Cowboys find a way to win. And you know what the, the fans who've been around this team for a while will say about that 2016 non-conference loss to Central Michigan? They don't even bring that up. <laughs> so last game of conference play, if you just told me that the Cowboys would be 3-0 through conference play, I would have believed you at the start. That's what I predicted. But if I could have had a glimpse into the future and seen Oklahoma State's going to be down at halftime against Arizona State and Central Arkansas is going to feel like the Bears have a huge chance to win late and the Cowboys haven't been able to find a quarterback and you know Oklahoma State struggling and tackling. Then 3-0 starts to sound really good. So if the Cowboys can move to 3-0 with a trip to Jack Trice Stadium coming up, uh, I think for all the issues that Oklahoma State's had, I mean, that's, that's superb. That's going to do it for 2-1 OSU. Thanks for joining us. We'll be, of course at Boone Pickens Stadium for Oklahoma State in South Alabama on Saturday, and then following that, Big 12 play. So continue to join us as we discuss all things Oklahoma State football.